Straight from the WCHL studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, 97.9 The Hill presents the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show with your hosts Chris and C.L. Brown. Tonight, the brothers welcome Dana O'Neill, National College basketball writer for The Athletic. But first, C.L. basks in the glory of the Steelers and the tears of Chris as Pittsburgh handled the Ravens on Sunday. And now, your ticket to the backyard brawl, the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show. Hello and welcome. We'd like you to submit your vote for the RPP, the Rivalry Playoff Poll, with the following choices for top spot. Contending from TheAthletic.com, senior writer, college basketball, senior writer, C.L. Brown, featuring the spread topic offense. Contending from Thunder Sports Network, the book and juice TV show, Chris Brown, featuring the stifling loyalist defense. Please check your box and click send right to Sibling Rivalry Sports. CL! What's going on? What's good, man? I'm I'm still basking in the Steelers' victory over the Ravens to even it up this year. I let you have your week first, you know, just <laughs> as a courtesy as being the older brother. Did they play this weekend? That yeah, was, oh, yeah. man. Yeah, I got plenty to remind you of this show. Oh, by the way, by the way, I was not coaching. That's why. They lost because I was. <laughs> you remember we we used to do something called coaching. We'd stand up and walk from side to side like a coach does, and have our hands, you know, uh, grasping behind our backs like a coach stance. That was as boys what we thought would contribute to our team. Whatever winning. it takes, man. Whatever <laughs> yes, it sir. takes. Yes, sir. Well, I didn't do it. So, no. Congrats. Good win. Excellent win. And I'm sure we'll get into all that. Uh, but first. We got a lot of great show, and let's start it off with Big Playback. Okay, so loan us your consonant, folks, the L to go in that Big Payback, Big Playback here. And our topic this week is Carolina football, UNC football. Is it too soon to panic? Is it too soon? That's a. I mean, everybody's a buzz and talking, you know, in this neck of the woods. So let's hit it. Is it too soon to panic, CL? Well, I I'd like to reshape that question a little bit. I mean, really, <laughs> the panic was. <laughs> I don't even know if panic is the right word. This season has been done. You know what I mean? Uh, I I think what we have to pivot to is. Uh, what what's going to go on with Bubba Cunningham, the athletic director, in the decision at the end of the season whether to retain or to release head coach Larry Fedora? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. When I'm when I'm okay. You're right. When I'm saying panic, I'm just thinking like panic is in the future. But you're right. The context is more people think about the season. So what do you think? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I would say this. I would say this. I, I would say that there is not. I think there's compelling reason, there are compelling reasons to not go in and make sweeping changes just yet. Not yet. Give me one. Okay. I'll give you one. I mean, you know, I got a number that I like, but I'm going to just try to start from the top. Let's just start from returning starters. Just think about the returning starters. There are three seniors on the offensive line, you know, and then one junior. Not bad. Uh, the, all the weapons 
at loaded up at wide receiver are returning. All the weapons that we we know and love, you know, Ratliff, Williams, and the boys, they're all coming back. Uh, all the weapons at running back are returning. The quarterbacks, Nathan Elliott. Now, I know maybe there's a groan or two, but hey, he has experience that's gotten under the belt, and he'll be back, you know, having learned. But then there's also Cade Fortin, Jace Rudy, hopefully, you know, healed up. Chaz Surratt healed up. All those guys, plus also, you know, a, a great possibility on that, which we'll get at in a second. And then on defense, you have two senior linebackers that have, have shown in their moments this year. I feel like they're, they're going to be very good. They'll, they'll be returning as seniors. And then three senior defensive backs, all the defensive line, except for Malik Carney. And that hurts my heart that Malik Carney, you know, I'm sure everybody wants to see Malik Carney doing well on Sundays, though, and doing well in his life in that respect. So that's great. But he won't be back. But, hey, Aaron Crawford, maybe healed up, will return. So that's just, to me, that's just that returning group with all that experience. You don't want to blow that up. I mean, would you blow it up? Would that necessarily, a change at the top, would that necessarily blow things up? I don't think it would. And, I mean, it, you mentioned some of the the injured guys. I mean, we were talking about that last year. There were so many injuries and blah, 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 and that, which did contribute to the 3-9 and nine record last year. But at some point, none of that matters. It, it, it To me, the question comes down to, is this the guy you want to lead the program into the future. It, it's not that there's always going to be interchangeable. There's always going to be returnees. There's always going to be that kind of stuff in terms of the actual personnel of it. I think the bigger picture is, is this the right person for this job? And the credit extended to Fedora from staying through the investigation and everything, that's maxed out. So to me, the, he gets no leeway now based on the fact that he was loyal to the program in those years where he could have bolted and he stayed put. Okay. So uh, now we just have to look at, I mean, I can see both sides of this equation. I could see keeping him for another year, regardless of the $12 million buyout, regardless of the, the record on the field, because you can see things that are kind of like the silver lining, even within the, the way the season is going right now. Yeah. But I can definitely see making a change based on, based on the losses and based on some of the off-field stuff. I mean, the, the whole sneaker fiasco. Uh, I don't think Fedora did himself any favors with his media day uh, addressing CTE and football being under attack. I don't think that helped anything either. And I think if between now and the, the rest of the season, anything? what does that, that represents to... the program poorly? Are you kidding me? How, well, okay. That, I mean, yes. I think that's opinion because I, I loved what he said. No, that's not opinion. That's why they put him back out <laughs> in front of the media to backtrack on his comments, and he essentially doubled down on it. So that that he that, didn't that became nationally <laughs> didn't. that that became nationally people are looking at him like what are you doing like that was that was a terrible look hey, that was a terrible they, look how do they look at a lot Carolina of great has, coaches has like one of the leading they might be the leader in terms of concussion research and and you're going to talk about CTE and and you know basically downplay what's going on at the university all this research but basically discredit it. Uh, that was a terrible look, man. Okay, that's a strong word, discredit. Okay, but you know, you well, you asked me to give you one thing. 
And I, so you I gave, gave me more than I, one. No, no, I gave you one, and the topic was returning starters. Yes, there are more than one return, but the, all those, you know, I would not just brush that away. I think if you have a lot of experience returning, that's something. Remember, if a new coaching staff is brought in, there will be a learning curve to whatever that coaching staff, you know, runs, whatever their system is, and so that nullifies a lot of the experience that you already have, sure. especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, expert offensive guys will have to deal with defense so so that'll be an issue expert defensive guy if an expert defensive guy he would have if to calibrate coach, you coach right he'd have to ca- yeah but you know that there are <laughs> you know that there are experts on either side of the ball I and they have I to mean, compensate for the other that's what we've been doing the I whole time think, with Fedora. i don't think that no nah, I, don't, I don't think that would factor in huh to if making it, a change i don't think that would factor in saying that oh, some new guy would have to you know, finagle if they don't know one side of the ball or they're expert on one side of the ball or the other. Can I hit you with my biggest one? What my my biggest one. Well, I mean, I, I do want to mention competitive in these games this season. Competitive, and I and I believe that if you're competitive, you are learning what it takes to win. You're learning what it takes to win. Competitive, coming back in these games, scoring points in these games, uh, all the games except for, I think, two. Carolina Was it two? Carolina is, was right in the thick of things and just could not you know, get over the hump. If, if, the, if the players are playing hard, still playing hard, there's some inspiration that they've received from the coach, and they just need something to get them over the hump. And I would say this real quick. I believe that the Kelly Bryant factor – let me just tell you about Kelly Bryant, real quick, Kelly Bryant visited North Carolina. We're going to hear more about Kelly Bryant later on in the show when Mitch Mason visits us and tells us exactly how he interacted with Kelly Bryant. But Kelly Bryant has visited, he's going to visit all SEC schools except for Carolina. And by the way, Carolina is the only school that will play Clemson in 2019 here in Chapel Hill. The only one. None of the others are playing Clemson. Just think about that for a second, what that could look like. Who knows the Clemson defense better than Kelly Bryant right now? You think Carolina has a shot at beating Clemson? You the way, it, you the, way the program first. is playing. You but heard it here that's, first. That's way in advance. Getting back to Fedora for, for this last bit, I think it just comes down to, and, and one thing we didn't bring up, the recruiting for 2019 right now, it's, it's not looking that great either. So that's if you're talking about personnel, that's something else you have to figure uh, mm-hmm. factor into this. But um, at the end of the day, you know, it's going to come down to Bubba Cunningham, Wanting basically making a decision of is this the man to continue to lead the program, and has he done enough to to merit another year? Right, right. Or what? What even four games? What about four games and then whatever is going on? Boom. How about that? What do you think about that? Four games. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> what you're saying? If they win four games? No, no. I'm saying just go four games in. I'm not saying officially. But I'm just saying, what if he goes like like people give him four games and see what happens? If if Carolina's zero and four, then yeah, sure, abandon ship. But why not? Why not start off? Year. Yeah, why not start off the season? I don't like midseason firings. Hey, me nope, personally, who does? Who does? But I'm just saying. 
All right. Well, we got, oh my goodness, what a show we have today. We have Dana O'Neill, senior writer from TheAthletic.com, also covering college basketball. She's going to join us in the next segment. And then later, Mitch Mason's going to come and talk about Kelly Bryant some more. Keep it right here, 97.9 The Hill. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show on 97.9 The Hill. We're talking college basketball, which tipped off Tuesday. And we had to bring on, I I felt like before we started the college basketball season, we had to have one of the best writers, reporters out there doing it in college basketball. My colleague uh, of a long time, Dana O'Neill, senior college basketball writer with The Athletic. How are you, Dana? I'm doing well, CL. Thank you. I'll send you the check. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny you say that because I was actually going to plug. I know Carolina folks might not want to hear it, but you wrote the book, Long Shots, Jay Wright Villanova and College Basketball's Most Unlikely Champion after uh, Villanova beat Chris Jenkins, beat Carolina with the last second three. Excellent read. Yeah, I know, right? It's an excellent (laughs) read Carolina fans can stomach it. Sure, yeah. I mean, you know, Carolina (laughs) fans can appreciate, you know, the story of an underdog, folks, but if you read the way that Dana O'Neill writes, come on now, she's so good, it is engaging, you gotta check that out. I appreciate that, yeah, I'm sure it doesn't make me the most popular person in North Carolina, but it's not my (laughs) place, like Chris Jenkins and Ryan Archidiakono for the pass on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, let's let's start with Villanova, because, you know, they're they're coming in, uh, they're preseason top ten again. And one of the things that we kind of talked about after they they won the championship, just uh, a side conversation, was if Villanova could be considered a blue blood program now because of you know that's two and three years, that's three national titles overall. Uh, how mm-hmm. what what say ye uh, with with a close up look of Villanova that you've had? Yeah, I think you know the challenge always is like the so blue blood has this idea of it's been that way for a long time, right? That's why we talk about North Carolina and Kansas and UCLA and Kentucky and the schools we talk about. So I guess you know in that regard, does Villanova hit the hit all the buttons? No, can they be a nouveau blue blood? Blood, if you will, I think so. I think they're next gen blue blood um, because look, they're going to be good for as long as Jay Wright wants them to be good. Is the way I look at it. He's going to continue to get the players he wants to get. He knows the kind of players he wants to get. And they're going to dominate the Big East. I mean, so I think they're here to stay. And in that regard, they're a blue blood. I just don't think that they have, like, the, the 60 years of tradition that officially make you a blue blood to a lot of people's thinking. Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned Jay Wright because of the, the story you also had in The Athletic, um, kind of billing him as the next, you know, if, if he wants to have mm-hmm. a bigger role in college basketball, this is the guy to do it. Um, so I, I was. it's funny that you brought that up because I was going to ask about the next wave of coaches kind of in college basketball once, like the, the Mike Krzyzewski's and Roy Williams of the world mm-hmm. retire. So um, who do you see along with Jay? As, as kind of that next wave of, of coaches? Well, certainly, I mean, you got to put Mark Few up there. I know he hasn't won a national championship, but he's been to a Final Four. He's been winning consistently at Gonzaga forever. So, you know, I don't know how you make a list of, of coaches that are respect, well-respected and who have been successful for a long time and not add him to the list. I think, you know, I always think of guys who are selfishly good talkers who, who are not afraid to deal with 
topics that are maybe a little bit unflattering or a little bit un- uncomfortable. That's why I put Mike Bray in the list. I think Mike Bray has won so consistently at Notre Dame under really difficult circumstances in that, I mean, look, Notre Dame is a different animal than the rest of the Power Five, and he's been able to adjust the way he coaches despite what his team looks like. So I think you kind of have to add him to the list as well. Um, You know, so, I mean, those are the three that always jump to the top of my head. I'm sure there are others. I think there are plenty that can grow into the role. I think that's important, too, to understand, like, you know, Mike Krzyzewski didn't become Mike Krzyzewski overnight either. It, it, it takes some time. Yeah. So I think there are plenty of guys that can kind of come around to that role, too. All right. Hey, d- okay, now let me make sure this is right. Both in the Athletic.com's college basketball poll that you all just published, both both of you all, I'm talking to both of you, voted for Gonzaga. Uh, is, is that right? You voted for Gonzaga for the potential national championship. Yep. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Great minds think alike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. So, yeah, you, and you were saying kind of in, in your paragraph about it, you said that you like, quote, old, older teams. Yep. You even called Tennessee. You said they're even maybe decrepit. You know, you were jokingly saying that. What Now, why do you like teams that have that, that older feel to it, that experience? I just think if you look back the last few years of who's won a national championship in college basketball, I don't even need to defend it because it's obvious. Villanova was old. North Carolina, when they won, was old. Villanova the year before that was old. Even when you look at the outlier of, you know, Duke with all the freshmen, you still had Quinn Cook, who, like, kind of was the shepherd leading that group of that flock down to the title game. I think, you know, Louisville was older when they won it. I know you have to always throw in Anthony Davis, but Anthony Davis to me is the exception to every rule. You don't see that kind of player. Old teams just understand how to win when they get into that craziness of March. I think that's why, you know, you look at, you know, John Calipari, he's purposely tried to get old in a hurry. I think he's realized that these great freshmen are good to have, but you can't win a lot of national championships with that. They just they just don't have the, the confidence or the comfort to get through March because March is a beast. And a lot of guys, it's, it's, it's a long season. You know, it's the end of a long season. They're not used to it. They're used to high school. They're not used to being challenged and pushed around and adjusting to different styles. You need guys who have been around the block. So that's why I look at Gonzaga. I think a team that's old, I think they're hungry because I think they're really disappointed about what happened in their last Final Four appearance. To me, it's a team that, I just, that, that checks every box for me. Well, speaking of of exceptions, um, Duke had the exceptional class <laughs> with one, yeah. two, three, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, and Zion Williamson, uh, which which had never been done before. What do you What do you see? What do you want to see out of this team in terms of of uh, uh, what What do you feel like they would have to do in terms of becoming that next team? like 2015 Duke, like 2012 uh, Kentucky, to, to get over that hump of, of the experience they don't have and cut down the nets? Well, I think, you know, I think they have to figure things out kind of on the fly. Obviously, that's going to be sort of a choice to get around that. But I think they have to really come around to the idea that, that the greater good is important. And I'm not saying that they're selfish guys. I don't know that they are whatsoever. I don't. You would know better than I as their personalities. But I do think that you have to kind of, come together and recognize that what got you into college is not going to win you a national championship, right? Being all about yourself and kind of being the star of the show is not going to win you a national championship. Gelling with everybody else around you and trusting those guys, that's going to win you a national championship. So the sooner they can figure that out, and look, they've got a guy that's going to lead them in Mike Krzyzewski to kind of figure it out for them and they don't want to figure it out. But I think once you wrap your arms around that, I think you're in good shape. 
yeah. Do you uh, who did you have as your surprise team this year? Who's who's like a dark horse you're looking at uh, that could make a deep run? I, I think I I think I had Loyola. I, I mean, as it's just because nobody else wants to talk about Loyola of Chicago. You know, I, I think it's hilarious that this team has three guys back from a team that made it to the Final Four, including Clayton Custer. They're not even in the top 25. If, this, if they were named any team in a Power Five conference, everybody would be talking about them more. It's just because they're not in that sort of a league that nobody's talking about them. And I still think it's the kind of team that's going to be hanging around the top 25. It's going to get into the NCAA tournament, and ain't nobody going to want to play them. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That, that could very well happen. I, I kind of felt like, too, with what you're saying about Loyola, I kind of felt that way about Nevada in terms of mm-hmm. of uh, I'm one of the non-believers right now. I mean, with I'm Nevada. a little nervous. I'm a little <laughs> nervous. Yeah, yeah. I think I think when you guys when everyone's talking about your team and your team is liking the talk and you got two guys you got you know, some guys that are liking the the attention. It, you know, I think it's going to be a lot of hey, we got to figure you guys out and make sure that you are on task here. Um, all throughout the season. There's going to have a lot of, be a lot of gut checks with this team to make sure that they don't lose sight of what got them there. And I don't know if they can do it. I'm, I'm with you a little bit. I'm, I'm a little bit suspicious, I guess, is the best <laughs> way to phrase it. So, Danny, you've done a nice clip of research on Tennessee and, and that team, some good writing, some great articles. Uh, I want to ask you, though, Rick Barnes, so as the only man that anybody ever saw, that I, I ever saw, CL, maybe you can correct me, get Dean Smith, Coach Dean Smith, riled up. As the only man that I was saw get him riled up at a basketball setting when he was at Clemson, I just want to yeah. ask you this. Did Have you ever heard any just tiny little murmurings from him that are still anti-Carolina? The, that guy despised, you know, the, the rivalry. He despised Carolina. Anything like that coming from him? No, I didn't actually. I mean, I spent out a couple of days with him, and I've known him for quite a few years. I didn't get that out of it, but I think like anybody else, look, if you're a coach at Clemson, you measure yourself against the best, and I think that's why you take pleasure in riling up Dean Smith and trying to get his go, because that's how you know you're doing something right. So do I think that he, you know, enjoyed that? Absolutely. Do I think he hated the program? No, I don't think so. I think it was a way to self-motivate, if you will. Uh-huh. Now, was he your vote for in, in the athletic.com, the poll and everything? Was he your vote for coach of the year? Uh, I think, he, I, I, I'll be honest with you, remember, but I think he was. I mean, I certainly, I have Tennessee opposite good back in the national championship game. I think, oh, wow. and maybe it's because, I know, maybe it's because I have, you know, I remember what I saw most recently and I was just there. But I watched that team, and that's a team that is old, that can shoot that can defend, that's smart, that's hungry. And I can't help but think that this is a team that's going to just, I don't know. They, I mean, and they're still being undervalued because everyone's still talking about Kentucky and the SEC and not them. So there's still just, a, a, I think, a, a hunger there that hasn't been realized despite how good everyone knows that they can be. So, you know, I think that, I don't know, I think they could be a very interesting team to watch all year. I, I totally agree with you on Tennessee. Like I felt like that last year uh, when I saw them earlier in the year that Rick Barnes had just built it the right way. And yep. to me, they were a, a year ahead of schedule. Like I felt like yep. this would be the year they would compete for the SEC, and, and they did it last year and did it well. Well, let's let's swing the focus back here to the triangle, our, our schools, uh, the shades of blue, and, and we'll throw NC State in there too. Um 
with North Carolina, the, the big the big question, well, I, two big questions I felt like coming into this year. One was kind of centered around Luke May because, to me, mm-hmm. obviously he came out of nowhere with the production that he had last year. Nobody, nobody expected that, man, <laughs> like uh, 17 and 10. But uh, you mentioned Nevada dealing with kind of pressure and expectations. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Luke May? being the bona fide, you know, leader or or bullet point on the scouting reports now, how he'll handle that. I agree with you. I think that's a big question for him because he's never had to be that guy before. But you know what, he's a mature kid and I think he's the kind of kid that understands how he sort of grew into this and I think he'll keep his head on straight because of that. But it's definitely a change when you're the focus of the, of the scouting report as opposed to just another guy who happens to be walking around in a Carolina uniform. It's not going to be just up to him, though, to adjust. It's his teammates have to adjust, too. They've got to help him out. They've got to get him open. And he's got to recognize, hey, if I'm getting double teamed, if I'm getting more attention, somebody else is not. So he might have to change the way he plays. But, you know, what? again, I think he's a mature enough kid to recognize all of that. Yeah, and and I know you spent time over at NC State earlier um, yeah. earlier this year. What do you think about the job that Kevin Keats is doing, having taken that that program over? And you talk about being ahead of schedule. I mean, the way he flipped it yeah, last I year, <laughs> I thought was. Yeah, pretty I think good. I think he's a little nervous. I think he's a little nervous because I think that I think he thinks that people are like, well, that means you automatically take the next step. And you and I know that you know that doesn't necessarily one doesn't always follow or two doesn't always follow one. Sometimes there's a, a hiccup in between. So. You know, I think he's got things in the right track. They're, they play hard. I was watching their practice. They were they were playing hard. They're playing fast. They're really going after it. I think he knows exactly the style he wants to play, and that's that. He's going to get it to happen. So, you know how he coaches, right? So this is the kind of team he's going to build. And I think it's just a matter of time before they get that consistently. I think that's just his concern: is that there's a automatic assumption that they're going to be consistently great now, and it's not necessarily the case. Yes, and we will end it with this one. We'll let we'll let Duke take us out here. Um, sure. How much longer do you expect Coach K to be in this game? Man, you know, I think about those questions all the time. I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> I think when you you end the you know he's kind of easing out of the USA basketball thing. That certainly is a sign. But I mean, I, I think it's such a personal question. You know, I talked to Jim Beheim at ACC Media Day, and he's like, "Yeah, hey, I'm not in a hurry now." Like he was, and now he's not. He's certainly come full circle, and I think. For Mike Krzyzewski, it's the same. It's like, well, what else am I going to do if I stop? And what's the hurry? Like, I'm doing all right. So, you know, four or five years, uh, that's entirely possible. But that seems like forever at the same time. So, yeah, I, I think it could be it could be in a minute and it could be in five years. I have no idea. But, uh, you know, he's doing – he's getting things done the way he wants to do them. So why hurry? No doubt, no doubt. Well, Dana, we appreciate you yes. being on with us. We, we we hear you fighting rental car people trying to charge you for <laughs> right, miles on the car. <laughs> you know, in the Atlanta airport, it's a little chaotic. I feel appreciate that. Well, we appreciate your insight. Thank you so much. you have to come back later right. in the season. You bet I will. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. All right. Thank you, Dana. Thank you. Welcome back to the Sibling Rivalry Show on 97.9 The Hill. And I have to pause for a moment. (laughs) You're lucky I didn't come in here. Pittsburgh still it down. Shirt, jersey, hat. Why didn't you? Because that's not how I roll, man. You know, that's not how I roll. Yeah, true. That is true. And, uh, you know, I mean... 
this is why there's a certain level of you get humbled in the rivalry. That's why even though Pittsburgh won, I'm not going to get up too high. I'm <laughs> oh, my gosh, you're so right. You are so right. Because I don't want it to come back eventually, <laughs> and eventually it always comes back. That's so true. That's very true. So, yes. Congrats. Thank you. I'd like to say I told you so, but I won't. Sure, of course. No, of course. No, hey, yeah, yeah. And and I gotta I gotta give a call into referee Rich talking <laughs> about the Steelers defense in that segment. Yeah, I forgot what, what he said. That, that well, the he Steelers said the... defense couldn't X Y Z stop us. Something yeah, I forgot right. what he yeah. said. It was but a Halloween. Yeah, you know, yeah. Sixteen points. So that's okay. solid. They haven't allowed more than twenty one in this four game winning streak. So, like I said, they've been improving. They've been improving. Yeah, okay. And got a big one up tonight against the Carolina Panthers in Heinz Field, mm-hmm. which uh, the Panthers coming off three straight wins, and, and their offense is looking good. I feel like Cam Newton is looking good. So yes. this is going to be a pretty pretty tough battle and should be a good game tonight. Speaking of defense, you, you better watch out. Those Panthers, they bring it on D. They're going to be ready. Better watch out. You know what, though? I mean, they almost blew that lead to, to Tampa. The, yeah. the, what was it? They got it to within 35-28. Tampa was within yeah. a touchdown, yeah, you know, before the Panthers out. scored again. So, But, I mean, for me, the Steelers, the, I, I, I talked about their slow starts and everything to a season. Uh-huh. I think James Conner, what he's doing right now is just incredible. Four straight 100-yard games. Um, the only player in Steelers history, I just heard this stat, the only player in Steelers history with 1,000 yards from scrimmage through eight games and 10 touchdowns. Nobody else has ever done that. As a matter of fact, Bell's career high for touchdowns from scrimmage, uh, which includes receiving and rushing, is 11. James Conner has 10 right now. We're just halfway through the season. Wow. You know, Bell, he's just not getting much love from those Pittsburgh quarters these days, huh? You know what? That's on him. I mean, that, that's one of my favorite lines from The Wire. Avon Barksdale had to tell Stringer, that's on you. Like, <laughs> if he would have reported to camp and he would have, he should be playing right now. Right. I, I think, I understand betting on yourself. I understand trying to preserve yourself physically. But, I mean, we're at the point now where I feel like it's diminishing returns. Like, you're basically essentially giving up $9 million for what? I don't think he's going to recoup that money. Hmm. Well, you know, you you agreed though that he's not getting much love from the Pittsburgh quarters, which is why Baltimore. You could Bill, if you're listening, you can. I mean, he's playing elsewhere. We all know he's playing elsewhere next year. The only question is, you know, what happens for the rest of this season. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Question: Is New Orleans going to be stopped at all? Uh, you know what they did to the Rams. You know, you know what's funny is uh, I heard a couple of Rams fans here and there, NFL radio and the like, saying, uh, it's okay, we're still going to beat them, we're still the better team. I'm like, dude, dude, do you understand what just happened? They beat you, <laughs> they beat you down, and also, also, they, they stole home field advantage from you. Do you understand that that just happened? You're gonna, well, that was in New Orleans. You're going to have to go back to New Orleans. <laughs> do you not understand that? Well, there's a lot of season to be played out, though. You know, that that was a great game. Um, New Orleans, obviously, is the hottest team in the NFC. Seven straight wins right now. But You wouldn't say NFL? 
I mean, one of the hottest in the NFL. You have to look at the. I mean, the Patriots have won six straight, and and they too seem like they do this possum every year where sure. they might have a few problems early, and then it's like they steal the Patriots. Yeah. So you know, yeah. and and quietly the Houston Texans six straight wins. Although I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a believer. Okay, but good. Six straight wins. <laughs> I was Even the Chargers have won five straight. If oh, we're talking about the hot Chargers teams are and impressive, streaks. CL. They yeah. are impressive. Yeah. I saw that game. They, 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 go, they come to play, and that's not easy. I've been in that stadium in Seattle. That is not easy. What they did. They came to play. Philip Rivers was game. So props to you, State grads. I love your boy. He he was game on Sunday. So he'll he'll continue to do that. What about college football though? What about you know the 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 poll uh, the playoff poll and everything like that? Is who can beat Alabama after that display that shutout from last weekend over another CFP team? Wow. No, no doubt Alabama's playing lights out, and I, I obviously they're the favorite, but I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think Clemson is is making. You know they they've kind of hit their stride now, and and nobody's asking Dabo right now if he made the right move at quarterback. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is is he's quiet at that stuff, man. He leads the ACC in passion efficiency. That's not even close. He's got eighteen touchdowns. No, 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 no. Look up the numbers. Trevor Lawrence passing efficiency. I didn't say okay. yards per game or anything and everything like that. else. <laughs> passing efficiency. Okay. He's okay. got more touchdown passes. Trevor Lawrence has more touchdown passes Impressive. than Ryan Finley. 18 Impressive. to 16. Okay. And just three interceptions for Lawrence. So nice. um, he's getting it done. Their running game is picking it up. They oh, had course, 300 man. yard rushes against Gosh. Louisville, which yeah. Louisville's the one place where, you know, you think Carolina fans are feeling bad this season. <laughs> Clemson put up 77 yeah. on them boys. Merciless. So I would. Merciless. I I would start with Clemson as as a team that could potentially beat Alabama. Wait, but he, okay, so here's my problem with that. All right, I do like Lawrence, and of course, I like Dabo Swain. I like Clemson, you know, as a team representing the ACC. The problem is this: you know, I'm a big believer in losing big before you win big. But Chris, they won the championship. They were back in the playoffs last year. This team is experienced. It's not, not just Trevor about Lawrence. One, it's not just about one. Your quarterback guy. has to have that experience. So he has didn't to. have that experience last year for Alabama. Came back off the, off the bench and let them off the, the bench. That's a huge difference. That's a big difference. He he wasn't he wasn't schemed for. They were not ready for that. He to wasn't happen. schemed for. But the scheme has nothing to do with him. Has his feeling of this is the biggest game of my life coming into a game as a quarterback for who, who was a reserve quarterback coming right. off the yeah, bench. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that. Facts over feelings, buddy. <laughs> Hashtag. I'm talking about scheming and a defensive coordinator getting ready for what he does. And I just think what Alabama's going to bring, Lawrence hasn't seen. Now, now we'll see. You know what? Of course I'm going to be rooting if that's what it is. I'll be rooting for him. I'm just saying. Well, it might not even come to that, to be honest, because Michigan is yes. one of the hottest teams right now. Yes. Although, the one Uh-oh. caveat with Michigan, Uh-oh. Harbaugh still has to get over that Ohio State hurdle. Okay. And All that's, right. a, that's sure. a huge hurdle. We'll that's see. No, that's we'll see no, if that's like, a huge <laughs> You know, that's not jumping over paper here. He's, okay. That, that's a big one for them still. Okay. We'll see. I, I think Ohio State is overrated this year. I think that number one defense coming from Big Blue in Ann Arbor is going to do something to them. And I also like the development of Shea Patterson. I see it now. I see it. I see the development. Michigan ain't scared of Alabama. That defense ain't scared. See, what what LSU brought was defense and home field. But the problem is that offensively, good night. 
good. Now, that must be frustrating down there. Hey, I also like Notre Dame's chances, CL. I like what Notre Dame brings. I'm still, the jury is out on Notre Dame to me. They beat Michigan in the first game of the season, which they definitely get credit for that win. But they beat a Virginia Tech team, a Stanford team that just weren't as good as we thought maybe they would have been. And mm-hmm. so, really, resume-wise, it's Michigan and nothing else for Notre Dame. So, I'm, I'm still... I'm still waiting to see. I'm not. I'm not definitely not putting them in a class that they could hang with Alabama. Okay, fair enough. Now, listen. Last thing I'm going to say: Georgia has made the SEC championship against Alabama. What? Tell me this, yet. What if Georgia wins? What happens with Alabama? What do you think? SEC gets two teams in. You're not going to take Alabama out with one loss. You're not going to do it. That's happened before. They're, yeah. <laughs> Alabama's in. <laughs> so that's the chaos that I want to see that makes them expand to eight games. Okay. All right. Well, hey, speaking of chaos, we're going we're gonna to bring a little chaos. There was chaos when uh, the fans in Chapel Hill saw Kelly Bryant with his official visit, and we're going to hear from someone who spent time with him, represented North Carolina to Kelly Bryant, uh, Mitch Mason, the chaplain. He's coming here next. Stay here. It's only here on Sibling Rivalry Sports, 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. It's time for five minutes of fun. And this time around, when we speak to somebody who's very relevant on the sports scene and somebody who is just a person we love to talk to, this time around, it is the University of North Carolina chaplain for football, the FCH football chaplain, Mitch Mason. Mitch, what's going on? Hey, man, how you doing? I'm doing great. We are so thankful that you are hanging out with us today. Yeah, I bet you got a very busy day. Oh, man, It, it seems like every day over the last couple of months. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Well, I, I hear you, and I tell you what, we want to we want to get to it and just ask you a couple things, like you know, about your days and nights, and really how that came to pass. How does one wind up as the the chaplain, such a valued position, you know, that where you help so many people? How did that happen in your life? Well, I tell you what, I cannot take any credit for it, uh, Chris. I didn't see it coming. Uh, my background, I'm, a, I'm uh, originally from West Palm Beach, Florida, and so uh, so football was kind of my background, if you will. And uh, I went out to college in Missouri, went to Missouri Western State University, and football after after that uh, took me around the uh, the U.S. for a little bit. And uh, from that point, uh, after I was done playing, I ended up coaching. And so I uh, I was uh, I was at West Point coaching when I was uh, going to seminary in Dallas. And so, uh, so was that as I was, uh, you know what? I went to Southwestern Assemblies of God University. Okay, gotcha. Um, and then in, in Waxahachie, Texas. And so, it was a suburb of Dallas. And so, uh, as as soon as I was done actually coaching at West Point, uh, the Lord really opened the door for me to get into full time ministry. And that began in Clemson. And uh, I uh, I pastored a church there. I pastored a church there in Clemson. And actually, what's funny is the guy that led me to the Lord some ten years prior in uh, in 1998, uh, Jeff Davis, who was a Clemson uh, Mr. Everything, led him to a national championship, college football uh, Hall of Famer. Uh, he actually led me to the Lord uh, my first year in Tampa. And so uh, and so from that standpoint, some ten years later, after my playing career, and then. Uh, seminary, he called and was just led by the Holy Spirit to uh, to call me up out of the blue, man. And so, uh, and so I ended up uh, passing the church there, and then serving in a similar capacity 
as chaplain that I'm that I'm serving it now. Uh, campus minister, and so ministering to different uh, different athletes from football, basketball, uh, all the women's sports, uh, you name it. And so in 2012, when Larry Fedor got the head job here, uh, he contacted the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Johnny Evans, and um, and so uh, so they they. Uh, Long story short, man, they contacted me, and the, uh, the rest is history, I guess. Nice. Very nice. Okay, so so that's interesting. I didn't know that about Clemson. And speaking of Clemson, uh, we, we've gotten wind that you, you spend time with recruits. That's part of what you do, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, so, sir, sure is. So, Mr. Kelly Bryant... We'd love to hear about his recent visit, you know, just kind of your impressions of him and how you think the visit went and that type of thing. I tell you, Kelly's been over here a couple of times. and uh, Is it and two I or three, up, Mitch? Uh, and he's actually been over here twice. Okay. And uh, Kelly has, uh, uh, we've, we've struck up a, a, a great uh, relationship. Uh, obviously, any place that you go that's new, uh, you guys know that familiarity is, uh, uh, um, you know, it's, it's critical. And so I wanted Kelly to understand that uh, the environment that he would potentially be coming from, if he, uh, from Clemson and coming to here, that would be someone that was familiar with that environment. And so uh, from that standpoint, that really was the bridge. Uh, our, our, um, our time in Clemson, uh, the familiarity, the people, the everything, was really the bridge uh, to our relationship. And so uh, with that uh, came his parents as well and uh, just them. Uh, really, Chris, just speaking their language, mm-hmm. just really understanding both cultures, really understanding what they were coming out of and possibly what they would be coming into here at UNC. And so we, my, my biggest thing to Kelly uh, and to his family was this. Uh, this is bigger than you playing quarterback. This is about uh, an opportunity to have a platform that uh, will set you up uh, far beyond, uh, set you up for life far beyond what just the platform of football would do. You know, Chris, I've been fortunate to travel and speak in a lot of different places, both nationally and internationally. And I tell you something, man, this Carolina Blue, is, it's unique. Uh, there are always people there. There are Tar Heels everywhere. And they are, it's truly family. And so those were the points that I was, I was, uh, I was trying to, uh, to get across to Kelly and to his family that this is bigger than just football or bigger than just sports here. Mm-hmm. When you come to Carolina, you are part of a family that, uh, that is unique in different places that I've been. Well, that is awesome. And you know what? You're going to have a bunch of thank yous coming, probably some bouquets. I, I don't know, like some chocolates. I don't know. People are going to love <laughs> your representation. So thank you. We're actually out of time as the music is telling us, but we just wanted sure. to get a sampling of that. So thank you so much. Mitch Mason at Tar Hill Chaplin. He's got the best profile pictures on Twitter. So you need to check that, check it out. Although, Mitch, I'm missing the microphone. I just want to say, I'd like to see a return of the microphone shot. <laughs> the, you got it. <laughs> Mitch Mason, thank you. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Mitch. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And we really, unfortunately, got to get out of here, but we thank you so much for joining us. My name is Chris Brown. I'm C.L. Brown. And this is Sibling Sibling Rivalry Rivalry Sports Sports. on 97.9 The Hill.